We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MPW Digital Podcast Network proudly presents McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Join longtime SEC beat writer Neil McCrady and former South Alabama assistant, Alabama staffer, and Ole Miss recruiting coordinator Tyler Siski for an hour of football and fun. Listen and enjoy as they talk ball, the national landscape, and much, much more. Now, here's your host in the Clark Ford Studios, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCrady. Uh, the uh, the captain monocle the monocle <laughs> Tyler Siski is here as well today on the show we're going to talk about a report um, it's actually in John Talty's book that's coming out about Nick Saban about the kick six game and uh, it was a game where one Tyler Siski was on the Alabama staff he was that's... at J- Jordan Hare that day so we'll talk about that because when I saw it I'll be honest I saw it and I went I don't know that doesn't sound right. You know, you know how much I love you, right? Yeah. I don't talk about this very often. Like, I would rather go through a four-day NCAA investigation about binocular gate <laughs> than talk about this. It's, it's really – I'm sensitive to it. I, I, I understand. You no, know, the, the most sensitive topic of my career. But I love you, though. We're doing it. Okay. Because well, I was hot when I saw the well, article. I was going to say, you were the one that said, let's yeah, talk about I'm, it. I'm, I was a little pissed. <laughs> I wasn't the one that went, hey, I'm, yeah. let's do a whole show on. I was on, about, uh, I was about three reigns in, and uh, <laughs> and then I, I was nice and pissed off. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, NIL and mental health from a perspective yeah. that uh, we haven't really touched on before. We're going to dive into that. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the Pac-12. We're going to talk about the Sun Belt. What else did we have? Fall on camp. Oh yeah, in fall camp. I, I, I asked Lane Kiffin. I cover Ole Miss. For those of you who aren't Ole Miss fans who are listening to the show, and, and I appreciate you being here. We're trying to grow the show and make it. It's not an Ole Miss show. I cover Ole Miss. Tyler lives in Oxford, but he's not affiliated with Ole Miss. <laughs> Nothing against Ole Miss, but we're going to talk about Ole Miss. We talk about other things too. But anyway, I cover Ole Miss, and um, I asked Lane Kiffin the other day about quarterbacks and um, other positions, and I was like, you know. I was I guess I was expecting a real stock answer. I don't know why. I I I, I Lane's got flaws, but one of them is not being a, a hostage to coach speak. He's not. I'll give him that now. And and uh I said, you know, do the scrimmages have more weight? And I expected an answer of, "Oh no. No, no. We 
we calculate everything that happens in the room uh, throughout the course of the of, of the preseason. I mean, everything, you know, the way the guys walk, the way they talk. I was expecting coach speak. And he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, it, the, the two scrimmages are going to have a, a ton of weight. So, you said Ole Miss binoculars. I'm just going to go ahead and get 45 <laughs> minutes, get the clock started. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay, by the way, brought to you by Rain. Uh, let's see, I need to pull that uh, – I should have it memorized by now, but I don't. I want to make sure I get all the details of, of Rain. Do you memorize those things? I have a handful that I've not meant to memorize, but I'm, I've, I've memorized them. Yeah, there's six or seven readers that I, I can do in my Clark suite. Ford, you got to know that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell, I about know that one. Clark Ford brought to you by in Amory, Mississippi, right? Amory, Mississippi, yep. Call somebody, they'll give you the best deal. Call Corey Clark. Yeah. Ask for, uh, ask for a quote. He'll give it to you. 15 minutes or less. In business hours. In business. Oh, that's the key. I mean, don't do it on Saturday afternoon. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. So we're brought to you by Rain, Total Body Fuel, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits, achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. I've got the white gummy bear again today as I go into my um, – You're in your rotation. I'm in the rotation now. White gummy bears way up there for me. Hey, I talked to. Have? I, I'm. I went heavy today. I came in hot today. I'm going with the uh, thermogenic line today. This gets your mind right. That's all you need. Um, and I do need. I told you before. I'll tell the fans. My mom highly pissed off at me. Uh, so I know she's listening. So I was told that I said 35 cuss words. That's about right. Um, in the podcast last week, Monday, and she said I could knock it down to 20. Yeah. I was I was contemplating whether I needed to put the explicit label. On the well, I mean, show. that's just how it is. Have you watched? I, so, did you know Hard Knocks came on this week? Do you watch Hard Knocks? Um, I've not watched it yet, but I'm going to. I watched the video of Aiden Hutchinson performing Billy Jean. Yes, and it was really, it's, really yeah, good. Pretty good. Yeah. But if you watch how crazy and unnecessarily crazy coaches are, that is a great show because I, I literally sat my wife down. I was like, "Watch this." All right, now you understand why I am the way I am. There's other, there are other people like me out there in the world. Like those are my people, man. I mean, those are my people. They may not win a damn game. There's one. All right. I got 19 left mom. They may not win a game, but those are my people. Coaches march to a different beat. You have to dude. I guess so. I mean, I mean, (laughs) there's nothing normal about, I mean, every one of them, they march to, it may be a, a really weird beat, but nobody's normal. Is anybody normal in anything, though? I mean, what is well, normal? the funny thing is Define we, we think, as coaches, we think other people are weird. Yeah. So Well, coaches very clearly think media are weird. Not all of them. You're good. But I've had coaches ask me before. So <laughs> Some of them are. <laughs> we can tell some stories. <laughs> yeah, later. I know. I've had coaches ask me before, so you just write? I'm like, yeah. I would literally let you. And they're like, they're like you don't. If you ask me to write an article, you don't get bored. I'd let you get a forty-yard head start and kick me in my balls before I wrote an article. I don't know how y'all do. Or call a seventeen-year-old kid and ask him who his top fifty-six is. I couldn't do that. Well, the second part is absolutely horrible. The yeah. worst. The worst thing we do. The very worst thing. I mean, if I if I'm ever like, and I don't have, if anything, I, I lack confidence. Um. The worst, if I ever start feeling full of myself, just go cover a junior day. That, that, 
that will bring you, know, you that will bring you down to the your base level of you know what I'm a loser and you and I want to go on the record here <laughs> I want to go on the record here. you never did this but there are people on this beat that I did see do this from time to time uh-huh how do you feel like you know how like even in coaches like you look at another coach and like man who is this ass clown like you're going like you look like you know what I'm talking about yeah sure that's 18 I've got like 16 <laughs> left or five minutes in you got no chance Ain't no chance all right so <clears throat> Mrs. Siski I tried yeah. I really did I said I told him before to you know try this and it just didn't work yeah this is like a third ring today so I'm in business all right so but when a guy's hiding like in a bush somewhere <laughs> And the guy comes from, and so like we would go like, okay, there's nobody out here. We're trying to get a kid in and out, right? And so because he doesn't want to do media, or we don't want it out there that he's at our place. Got you, okay. And I may or may not have called the guy. I mean, I've called ahead of time and say, hey, look, somebody's coming. We don't want this out here that he's coming. Da da da. da. If you don't mind, if you get something, let's bury it, right? I'll okay. take care of you later. Just you know, yeah, play ball, play ball. Mm-hmm. And you'll like, okay, coast is clear, and you'll walk out like the back door, and then somebody jumps out of a bush. And it's like, hey, how was your visit? I'm like, damn, let that guy get in his car. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that, yes. that's where it gets a little creepy for me. A little creepy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, does that not bother y'all, though? Like, do you look at the other guy and ask you, him what the Why are you doing? asking me this? You know the answer because to this you know question. The guy. You, you know the answer <laughs> to this question. It's the closest I've ever come to digging a hole in asphalt and burying myself. I mean, we're going off the rails and we haven't got started. That's what I've, I've hated myself in those moments, just in a way that, or I, I mean, I've had to get in my truck and say, literally think to myself, you know, my kids love me. That's all that matters. I mean, look, (laughs) there's nothing else matters right now. Oh, I swear. I do not have any, I have not had any alcohol today. I just want to go on record before we start. All right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh goodness! Uh, all right, all right. Um, what are you gonna start? Let, let's start. <laughs> I, sometimes I wouldn't mind going down this road a little bit. It, it. I never, I never got why. Now, now you were a good communicator. Yep. And so I generally knew who was coming. And if you didn't want it out that a kid was coming, I always just sort of assumed there was a reason. And that on the back end of it, I'd find out why. Well, you want to know the truth, why we didn't want it out most of the time? One was either we were trying to – somebody was committed somewhere and we didn't want – we wanted to kind of be sneaky coming up in and trying to gain ground without them knowing. Because if they know, the coaching know, staff's going to blow up the phone. If they know they're coming ahead of time, they're going to pay the kid not to come on the visit. Right. That's the truth. And even sometimes if the kid wasn't committed, if it was a... Com- it didn't have to be committed. Right. You just, in those rare situations, but that didn't happen often. But obviously, if that happened, we didn't want the kid to get paid to not come right. and to show up at their place. Right. Um, we just didn't want traction for that. Or if a kid was committed somewhere else, we, we wanted to try to get work done without them knowing about it. Because a lot of times when a kid's committed to a school, the school will not recruit him as hard because they feel like they already have him. Sure. And, and you can make up a lot of ground on a kid. Yeah, and I always, I always got it. Yeah, that's why. It was never like, I just don't want you to write about the guy. It, it helped our our chances in signing the kid. By the way, speaking of this, remind me at 3 o'clock, there's a basketball commitment for Ole Miss. The story's already written. <laughs> remind me to go. Are you, are you serious? Yeah, remind me to go make it live. <laughs> we'll still be We'll still be podcasting. I think I just snotted out my nose. I think boogers in my nose. I apologize. That was, that was one yesterday that – 
I was like, hey, look, what time are you doing this tomorrow? And he kind of told me. And I was like, okay, can I go ahead and get the quotes? <laughs> and to his credit, he, I mean, I, like, I know what you're doing. Can you imagine you've had what you're doing like five podcasts today and you got to cover that? I, dude, I'd jump out of the look for the tallest building in Oxford, Mississippi. I don't mind podcasting though. Like I did, I did the show with Chase this morning. It was, it was, it was fun. We had a lot to talk about. We talked about. Uh, I did Brandon catch, Dart's right, tweet before I got on my eight hundred ninety seventh Zoom this morning. I did listen to the first half. Saw you were not. You were, you were pissed. I like when you're pissed. It's entertaining. I was perturbed. You were pissed. Just say it. I mean, I okay. Get, I'll say it for you. He was pissed. I get. I, I don't like getting lumped into categories. And I get, I'm with it. I get why I do, but. I don't like getting lumped into categories. And with that one in particular, I just knew too much. I knew, I knew more than that. Like the whole, the whole (laughs) Ole Miss media, (laughs) Ole Miss media has disrespected. Stop. (laughs) All right. Hardly. Um, Yeah. So I did that one. And then I did mine on my money with Martin Palomo, which is always entertaining because Martin really understands markets and business. And so I learned something pretty much every one of those shows. And then, uh, did Jeffrey Wright's show because he has an afternoon show. He had four hours of radio today. Oh. He was like, help me. And Jeffrey always helped. Whenever I need something, he always helps. So today was a little payback. Um, and then I'm doing the show with you, which, I mean, I don't want to puff you up, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, we have a good time. And then uh, Chase and I are doing a show tonight, and hopefully the Skype will work. You can vouch for me right, as, I, of, as of twice. one I've done it this week twice. You called me whatever day that was this week. It was week. Friday last week. Oh, was last I was up Monday. all night so on you Thursday ca- night. You called me Friday and said, hey, can you call this number real quick? And I was yeah. like, who am I calling? <laughs> I didn't know. What, hey, what are you talking about? Uh, it worked then, and then I tested it when I came back, right before we started today. Yeah, today, like 150. 150, it works. So when it doesn't work tonight. It's not your fault. And I just put my head down. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right, let's, let's, let's talk about the, uh, oh, let's roll, man. the 2013 Iron Bowl. Oh. Sorry. At Jordan-Hare. Uh, it was, ended up being a uh, very famous call from the late Rod Bramlett, who uh, I knew back when I was covering Auburn. Uh, the kick six game, you guys, uh, you guys, you guys being Alabama, yep. lined up to um, try what I guess would have been a very long game winner. 61 yards, 63, I don't know. It was, it was long. The kick was. I don't even know. I really don't know the distance. The kick was online, but it was well short. And Chris Davis caught it, what, five, six yards into the end zone? It was, yeah. I mean, it was. I, so, facts. I have not watched this play to this day. Like, I think it'd be funny one day just to watch. I have not ever watched it, the replay of it. And so, when you're watching TV – and you know it's it's kind of like the CBS two thirty game they had it, they used to have it in the montage or whatever to start. Yeah, sure. I would turn it off until I knew it was over. Um, it I have was not an watched oh my god watching it moment. I remember watching it and just going oh my god. Yeah, single handedly in my career, which is funny. I've been a part of kick six and then uh, peeing in the end zone and uh, <laughs> good 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 uh, good staple plays. I'll never forget. Um, but. This one hurt more, as dumb as it sounds, this one hurt me more than getting fired because of the ramifications of the play. You know, for fans, and I, I don't know any other way to say this, my close friends know this, my wife surely knows it. Um, I don't even know if my mom and dad know this. Um, 
that play cost me six figures in bonus money. So when you get oh, pissed God. off, when you get pissed off about that game, if you're a fan, so if you're an Alabama fan and you're like that, that play eats you up. It really fucking eats me up. There's, <laughs> there's, I probably get seven for that one. I deserve to say that one for that one. It was a six figure bonus that cost me. Yeah. So yes, I don't like that play. Because that knocked Alabama out of the playoff. Yeah, so, well, we didn't go to the SEC championship game, and that was the last year of the BCS. Okay. So that was one and two. If there was a playoff, we'd have still been in one. Right. All right, so the next year is when we went to the start of the playoff. So Auburn went to the championship game instead. Auburn goes and plays Missouri in the SEC championship game, wins that one, and a two-loss Auburn team gets in uh, to uh, the national championship game against Florida State. Okay. And they lose. And then – um, that was the Jameis Winston yes. championship? Okay. Yeah. And it was supposed to be us in Florida State head-to-head. You know, it was Jimbo at Florida State and then Nick at Alabama. It was supposed to be this. We were kind of looking at each other the whole way down the finish line, and it didn't work out like that. And the crazy – here's the crazy part. Is Auburn the week before had the, the Hail Mary against Georgia. The tip ball. The tip yeah. ball. Yeah. If that ball falls incomplete, the Auburn game doesn't even matter. We're still going to go to the national championship game. So those two – both – both of those plays had to happen for us not to go to the SEC championship game. When stuff like that happens, you just that's it was just fate for Auburn to to get there at that point. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, but but uh, anyway, long how we got on this topic is <laughs> so where so take me through that play where you were. Were you in the press yeah, box? I was in the box. I was sitting right next to Kevin Steele, and so um, our kicker had struggled. Our normal kicker had struggled through the game, and he had missed some. Um, and Adam Griffith, who ended up being a great kicker at Alabama, he was a freshman at the time, and had a cannon of a leg. And Nick Nick goes, and I'll be, I'm curious if Lane does this. I know a lot of the a lot of the Alabama people do this, but right before you go out, he wants to know the distance that you the longest kick that you made in each direction. Okay, so Adam had made a kick in pregame from that distance in that direction, and so and we knew he had a strong leg; he could make it. Uh, we had the infamous one second. They ran off, reviewed it, left us one second on the clock. And I remember taking the headset off and slapping Kevin Steele in the leg. And he took his out and he looked at me and I said, this is this guy, there's no, there's no longer going to be a Van Tiffin. This guy's going to go down in the lower, in Alabama lower. Van Tiffin had made the kick in 1985 or 83. Was it 83 or 85? 85. 85 at Legion Field to beat Auburn in one of the most – Incredible games I've ever seen. Yeah, right, right. Mike Shula to Richardson. Yeah, he still he got out of bounds. Beer. He still hasn't bought a beer in Alabama. They got him to the thirty-five, and I think tip, fifty-three tip, yards. I think 52, 53 yards. Yeah, there. yeah. So anyway, he and you know, as a coach, and I've I've told this, maybe I've told it on here before. When you're when you're in the box, you can't see a field goal. You can't really see if it. And as fans, this will be a fun thing if you go to games. Don't worry about watching the ball and you think it's good. You watch the the fans behind the goalpost. They'll tell you if it's good or not. Because if you're on the road and they're they're making all kinds of noise, and all of a sudden if they just go limp, like the, it's like a wave, they all go limp. It's right down the middle. If they if they're if they keep cheering, it's missing. Same thing at home. If you're at home and they and they go limp, he missed it. You know, you can yeah, look sure. at the fans and t- they'll tell you behind the goalposts, student sections or whatever will tell you if it's good or not. So, anyway, long story short, he kicks it, and I look at the student section, and they go limp kicking it right into the south end zone at Jordan Hare. They go limp. It's so, right so, on line. Yeah, so if you're you've been to you've been there and covered games it was to the <laughs> a, a one or two, two to the right on the right side, the south side from the um home side. Yeah. And so we practiced this every Friday. It's one of the last things we did was a 
covering a field goal. And so I will never forget. Uh, so Ed Stinson, who played for the uh, Cardinals for a while, Arizona Cardinals, um, he was our contain guy. He was a wing and he was our contain guy. And so I see I, – first I thought he made it. He didn't. Well, he starts to run it out. And I look – so I, I'm about the – probably the 40-yard line, I guess. I look – so I'm looking – Because you were to the left of the press box. I was to the box. left – I was on the left side of the press box. Yep. So yep. I, I'm about the 40-yard line. So I look and I see him coming out. I do see him turn about – like when he gets to about the 10, he bellies out towards the sideline. Well, that's right into our contain, right? And so the whole point was Ed was supposed to have contain and kicks it back into the to the alley to the keep people funneling in to make the tackle. And so when I see him belly out, I, I move my head and I look for Ed to find contain. And I see Ed coming. And right at the last second, Ed Stinson jumps inside. And when he jumped inside, there's nobody left to contain. And at that moment, I had a manila envelope, like a folder, I shut my folder, I took my headset off, and I walked back in the elevator. And I never, I never saw him cross probably midfield. And I, I got back in the elevator, and I was the first one in the elevator, and then everybody else was behind me. One of the most surreal things ever, um, people say stadiums are rocking. Yeah. The stadium was literally shaking. The elevator had to stop because it thought it was coming off the cable kind of thing. It's like, you know, you know the emergency brakes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure. So we get off and we're starting to walk back to the locker room and you're at this you know you're at the Auburn Alabama game. There's not one soul outside the stadium. Not the first soul. And so we walk unmolested around the back of the stadium as coaches to get to the back to the visiting locker room. Yeah. And uh that's so you went down place. and then around we the went back. down and around the right, back. Right, right, right. So you get into the locker room and this is where we get into the report. Yeah, that's why we're doing this whole story, right? Yeah, it's not just to torture you. Um, yeah. You get into the locker room. The reports that was out there said that Nick Saban was emotional, teary-eyed, that most of the team was crying, that Saban could hardly speak. The source on this for John Talty in his book, I think, is Christian Jones. Is that correct? Consider the source. Well, for those who don't know Christian Jones, which is probably the overwhelming majority of yeah. our listeners, why do you say that? Uh, <laughs> yeah 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 consider the source all right so set the record straight all right so i first of all i didn't realize this until my man dave shoemate sent me an article a couple weeks ago because there's been like excerpts uh what do you call them excerpts excerpts, all right, uh-huh. excerpts. They're, as they're starting to promote and hype the book yeah i mm-hmm. guess i interviewed for this book i don't <laughs> i do not recall doing it but i definitely said what was some of the stuff in that i saw the quotes like i definitely said some of that stuff so I guess I'm quoted in this book as well. Um, I do not remember talking about this to him at all. Um, there were no, I mean, yeah, you're emotional after the game, but to say 50% of the people in the locker room were crying, not accurate. I mean, your emotional players and some seniors maybe, sure. All right, was everybody, now I will say this, the thing that I was like, okay, and I kind of do relate it to, it was kind of like a funeral but you're going to a funeral of a second cousin. Like, you're not happy that your second cousin died, but you don't see him all the time. Right. All right. And you're not, and you're sad, but you're not, but that's an accurate statement, right? And to say Nick Saban was crying, I would have remembered that. I didn't, like, I remember him being the most composed person in the locker room. That's how I got out of it. I remember, and maybe, and like, maybe everybody's version is different. Okay. Maybe they, they, the past has changed things. But I remember going and consoling a particular player that I was close to on that team, 
that was upset, and it was his last game. And I remember a very calm Nick Saban coming up and saying, hey, you've got a bright future. You know, I mean, just almost like your dad coming up to you. You know, he was the most most composed person probably in the locker room. But nobody was, like, happy. By of course not. Right. I mean, of course it was, not. It was a shock kind of feel. Um, I was explaining this because I knew we were talking about it. I well, was, I mean, we're still talking about the game all these years later. It's because they, <clears> the, 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 the ending was shocking. I mean, it was nobody – I think most people thought, you know, when that kick went – it was clearly short. People thought, oh, we're going to get overtime. I don't know how to describe this. I don't know if I've talked about this. Maybe I have. One of the most unique things about being in that organization is every single person, it doesn't matter if you're the trainer or you're the starting left tackle, you never, no matter how dire the consequences are in the game, like the situation, you never consider that you may lose this game. It never, you get so brainwashed in the process, right? Sure. That you don't even think about, oh, daggum, if we don't go drive and score right here, we're going to lose this game. You just assume you're going to drive and score. Every freaking time. Yeah. Like, and I can't, but that's never been like that anywhere else I've ever been. Everybody's like, oh, I mean, you see the emotions, the up and the down, and like now after the game, whatever, but during the game, man, you never, it never goes through your mind that you're not going to win. Not one time. I think it's, I mean, this is going to sound cheesy. I just think it's greatness. I, I think it's that simple. I think it's, number one is it's a, a coach who leaves no stone unturned. It's, number two, a coach who whose teams are always eminently prepared. And um, then it's a culture of winning. Yeah. Right? I, mean, I could have wrote this book. What's, you, the name, what's the title of the book? I don't remember. It's like leadership something. something. I could have wrote this book in one paragraph. Everybody wants to know, and I and, I, and look, I, we got people, a bunch of people in the chat, right? And they got they come from different, you know. Everybody's got a different job, right? You know, you're running your job, I'm doing my job. If you want to know the secret, you want to know what makes that guy different. He works harder than you do. Period. The guy's the hardest working man. He makes no excuses. He's very organized and communicates very well, and he knows, and he's very demanding of what he wants. But he works harder than you do, and he's more competitive than you are. And that's why he wins is because he has an, a unique ability to get everyone around him to be their best. Yeah. And I've said, I've told you that off the air privately, like one of the, another cool thing is like when you go to work, okay. And, and there's a lot of things that go on besides playing a game, right? If I'm asking somebody to do, you know, you have to delegate. There's a lot of things going on, you know, everywhere else I've ever been. And there's no shot at anybody else. It's just a saying at the difference of there is, <clears throat> I'll ask somebody, a younger person, maybe to do something. When I get their work back, I feel like I have to check it two and three times before it gets to the head coach. In that place, it doesn't matter what what you give, the the assignment or whatever, you're getting everybody's best every single day, and you know it. And and that's just a – and it allows you to be more efficient in your job and what you're doing because I'm not spending – four hours of my day checking to make sure you don't have a violation in your paperwork. Right. You know, so, um, but I just, man, I, that one, he was, I just remember him being very composed and probably the most composed guy. And he handles losses as good as, as the best I've ever been around. Uh, matter of fact, when you're playing in the big games, those are the fun weeks. When you're playing the crappy teams, it feels like you're, it's a bad week. Uh, that's kind of his mode, but, um, and then, the, you know, I remember probably seven or eight players maybe crying. 
you know, everybody's upset, but I remember seven or eight probably. I would guess there was a lot of shock in that locker room. Yeah, it was like, that's the best way I can describe it. It's kind yeah. of shock. And then um, randomly, I don't know why, um, I do remember leaving the locker room um, and my son, Jackson, who's now a freshman, I remember him being very upset because, you know, the family comes in um, outside the locker room afterwards. And I remember having to console him. But, um, yeah, that was – I mean, you lose and you move on. And, um, you know, now when when was he pissed? And there, now this is in the book about the college game day thing and all that. So he went and did college game day for the national championship game. And I remember when he came back from that, and we were getting ready to go on the road, he was really pissed because he knew we were better than both of those teams that were playing. We should have won a national championship. We didn't uh, pre-show this, but I'm curious. You've been on both sides of the of the Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. I've tried to tell people that it's um, – I don't like being the hokey guy that's like, oh, it's the greatest game ever. Because that was I – mean, Frankly, I lost my job in Alabama the one year that I did by saying that on this particular year, the game had no relevance outside of the state of Alabama, which was absolutely true. It just pissed my boss off. Um, Hey, Ken, hope you're listening and doing well. Love you. Um, But that game always struck me as there was something kind of cool about it. It was, and, and this was before the glory days of when Saban was there and this was Tuberville. Um, I guess I covered, yeah, I covered one year where, where it was Bill Oliver as the interim coach, and then I covered six years of Tuberville. Well, I guess I covered more than that. Six years as a beat writer with Tuberville. And, yeah, anyway, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> I covered one year with Saban. I covered, before I left, uh, my, my last year was Saban's first year at Alabama, and, and Auburn won that game. So, and since then, he's dominated that that rivalry. But that that rivalry was always – it was always kind of different to me than like the Egg Bowl, for example. Oh, it's completely different. Because the 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 Egg Bowl had such animus. And the Iron Bowl, they didn't like each other, but there was a fear of one another. Best it's way, not even respect, yeah. it's fear. I've been asked this question by a gazillion people. I don't, I've never done it publicly. Here's the best way I've always described it. If I'm an Auburn fan and I'm going – I'm driving down 431 – and my tire goes flat, and the only person driving by me is an Alabama fan, he's going to stop and help me change my tire. If I am an Ole Miss fan or, an, or a Mississippi State fan, and I'm driving down Highway 6 down here, and I get a, a flat tire, the other fans will come by and shoot my other three tires out. <laughs> like, like, there's just a different – like, Auburn and Alabama – and I don't mean this in disrespect to anybody. And look, uh, I got friends in Mississippi State too, and all that stuff. So I'm definitely, you know, quick you client. All right. So, but the Auburn Alabama game, like they want kind of like pull for each other and want each other to do well until that one game. Yeah, they want the game to be super meaningful because yeah. there's such yeah. pride. In yeah, they want. Stuff. They don't want. They don't want to blow. You know, one team eleven and one team. You know, eleven and one, and the other one. You know, four and seven. It's why I lost the radio gig. Well, he he, his contention I think was that I. By saying that, I failed to understand the culture of the game, which was total BS I'd covered. But what, what it was was they, they wanted, in that state, they wanted, at least back then, maybe it's changed now, they wanted both teams to be good because they wanted that game to be a spotlight on the state and a relevance thing. Yeah. The Ole Miss-Mississippi State game, both teams could be 0-11 coming into the game. And the coach that wins may get a damn contract extension. 
don't worry about that you went 1-11. They just want you to win that damn game. And now the only the only one I've ever seen it didn't matter to was Moorhead, right? Because he, he won and they, they ran him out, right? But that's literally – and I'm not saying everybody, but the, that's the feel. You know, yeah, that's sure. The, that's the feel that you get. And, you know, I always joke. I was like, you know, let's say we don't pee in the end zone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Am I sitting here talking to you right now? No. That's, I mean, that's the truth. People, you know, and Joe tell the truth about that one day too. And Joe gets fired the next day. And Joe gets fired the next day because they 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 were already planning. They being Mississippi State, they were planning the press conference for the next day. Yeah, somebody on your thing today said I should put some cathead vodka. You see how I got that? Put some cathead vodka go. in my deal. I, I almost didn't, but I did. I said, I said I put some vodka in this thing. You're gonna find out the truth about this place too. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go down that yeah, road one day. One of these days. Well, we got a whole football season ahead of us. Get all them checks coming out. I might do that. <laughs> you might want to wait until the contracts have kicked yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. Let the contracts kick in. All right. Um, speaking of uh, SEC, I know that you, you've you got some SEC clients. Yep. You've got some SEC contacts, obviously. You coached in the league at Ole Miss at Alabama. Uh, you know people venture to guess every school in the league. Um. You had a couple of conversations this week with two different programs. I know who they were. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to expose them here because that wouldn't be good. But I know who they were. And they both, independent of one another, had the same thing to say about something that's going on in the sport today as it pertains to NIL. And I have to be honest, I didn't really – it had not. I had not thought about it in those terms. Um, 
you know, we got over a little bit over half the league now um, from Quick U, so <laughs> you could probably narrow it down a little bit. But I, I think it was Tuesday. I think I was, I text you about it. But yeah. Um, so because we had done a show on Monday. Monday, yeah. Right. So it was Tuesday. I was talking. It was late in the day. Um, I was talking to uh, one of the SEC schools, going over some stuff, and we we just get into the conversation about NIL, and then he brings this up, and I was like, man, that's interesting. And then I shit you not. The very next phone call, there he goes, I got eight left, Mom. The very, the very next uh, phone call I get is from another SEC school. And we're talking about some other things, other things, and then he brings it up. And, and you know, and here's one thing I want to get to the fans. They always want to peel back the onion. Well, this is not going to get any more peeled back than this because this particular coach said, I can't talk on a podcast, but if I was on your podcast, this is what I would want to talk about. Because nobody's talking about it, and it's going to be a big problem. And I want to make – he's like, I, maybe you can talk about it, and maybe somebody will start bringing up their conversation. Very interesting. Let's talk about NIL. All right, so – and for the fans that don't know this, about 40 – he said – I asked him, I said, well, how many on your team? So about 40 to 50% of athletes on that scholarship athletes on their team are on full Pell Grant. Okay? Okay. All right, so he says between full Pell – cost of attendance and their scholarship check, all right, these kids are making 31000 before NIL kicks in, they're making $31,000 a year, tax-free American dollars. Okay. All right, so he says that's roughly almost like a $50,000 a year job. And this is before NIL kicks yeah. in. It's yeah. like okay. 40, high 40s, right? Okay, sure. <clears throat> he says, so now look at this. He goes, now you're getting these kids that are getting these $50,000 deals, NIL deals. And so, okay, so there's another, you know, 30 or whatever thousand. So you basically you have these kids that are making $100,000 a year job, normal job for people that have to pay taxes, right? Okay. Yeah, sure. And so he's like, here's going to be the problem. And he said, this is what I would talk about, is that when these kids don't, the 99% of them that don't make it in the NFL, right? when they have to go in the real world and get a job, they're not going to be able to find a job paying them that out of college they're just not he goes i mean he goes and we can help them and we can do all we want to but the mental health when they go because right now all these people are dipping in their pockets yeah that's what's happening yeah and that's also that's a whole nother problem is everybody back home is dipping in their pockets so they're not like saving this money and putting it away and i and he was talking about the mental health and the depression that's going to set in when they can't get a job or keep a job to keep up with a lifestyle and everybody else that's been dipping in their pockets and how much in debt they're going to be because the financial resources, we can say what we want to. No 18-year-old kid is ready to handle that kind of money. They're not. Oh, absolutely not. And if no. there is one, there's not many. Right, right. right? Um, sure, there's an exception here and there. But for the most part, they're, they're, they're ill-prepared for that. And you're right. Like, these guys go home for the Christmas holiday or whatever, right? And, oh. you, and you know the people at home know – what they've made or have an idea or think they've made it's even public. more than they've made. Yeah. yeah. And, and so they, they've, everyone's hitting them up. Hey, let me hold something. Hey, you know, you know, this, this paying for this. And we got people paying for rent back home. I mean, it, it's, I mean, you're talking about the peak earning potential. Of these kids are when they're 18 to 20 years old. Right. And that's crazy. That is. And, and then on top of that, now they're not, you know, are they going to school and getting their education? What are they getting it in? And they're having to grow up with all these things. So I said all that to say this, both of them brought this suggestion up independently. I didn't ask them about it, and I just thought, man, back-to-back phone calls, and I had not thought about it. You know, I've been a big proponent 
of figuring out how to come up with some kind of cap. I know it's very difficult, and but in my mind, the biggest thing, and I think you and I have talked, <clears> is when you say salary cap, you think, well, you can't cap their earning potential. And I thought what they suggested would be an alternate to that where you didn't cap their earning potential. And this is what they said. Yeah. So say it's $52,000 a year. That gives every college kid $1,000. That's your cap. That's as most as you can make. But every dollar you make over $52,000, we're going to put it into a money market, an IRA, or whatever to build you a nest egg so when your eligibility is completed, you have money to start life on. It's the first time that I've heard, because that's not a cap, right? That, correct. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one just as a capitalist. Yeah. Completely against a cap. Because if someone comes to me and says, hey, you're doing okay, right? Yeah, I'm doing good. All right, well, we're going to cap your earning potential. Well, I'm not signing up for that. Right. Because I want to make more. If, if someone says, well, you can keep what you're making now or you can make more, which would you prefer? More. And once I make more, I'm going to want to make more because that's just, I think that's just the way people, successful people are wired. And so I'm against anything that caps what a kid can make because I've watched football and I've seen guys get hurt and it can end in a hurry. And if you can make a bunch at 20, then you should. But now I'd be for this as a parent. Or as, yeah. as if, I, if I see this and say, so you could make $2 million. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you don't need all of that right now. Like yeah. you're a college kid. College kids don't need. I mean, if, a, a college kid, if I told my girls, for example, I have two girls in college. If I said, I'll give each of you <clears throat> $1,000 a week, they would be like, oh, my God, this <laughs> is the greatest thing. Dad, this is the greatest day of our yeah. lives. So if, if, if I told them that, you can live on that. But I can put the other into something that's going to be there for them um, where, when they get out and presumably have a little more maturity and get a job and you have money there that's, that's there for you to a down payment on a home, um, whatever. Yeah, I'm for that. 1,000% for that. I think that's genius, in fact. Yeah, and then you know, my man Jared Duke, I see him in here. He played for us when we were here the first time, right? Yeah, I'm Jared, assuming it's the same Jared. It is, and Jared says love that. I, I do too. I, I, who, I, who, why, I mean, Jared, would you like to start your life off with $250,000 in your bank account? Of, well, who wouldn't? I mean, of course. See, that, to me, that's genius. I'm for that, 1,000%. And then you understand, you've, you've, You've learned how to manage money. You understand what to do with it. And you can, and if you go pro, whatever it is, you can do whatever you want to do it because you're mature. The level, you know. And you know what else, Tyler? And I just thought of this, not to interrupt you. No, you're good. You're, you're always going to have a degree of corruption, right? There's always going to be stuff. But, but they can't get to it. But this would actually minimize the corruption even. You, keep your, you can keep your circle small. Yeah. You know, the, you know Uncle, Uncle Johnny from... Four, four cousins ago is not going to hit you up for a thousand dollars at home. Yeah, because you don't have it. You can't get a hold of it, right? But you know, and that's that's where. I mean, maybe you know, you do media when you go ask questions. One day you can bring something like that up. I I just think it's I think it needs to get talked about because the concern we're we're supposed to be doing this for the kids, right? This is all everything we do is supposed to be about the betterment of the student athlete and the betterment of the kid. And look, I'm for the kids making money too, but sure. But you know what? But again, you you can't get let the the trees get away from the whole look of the forest. You got to see the big picture. And there's nothing wrong with a kid making eight million dollars. 
But how many, I mean, how many 18-year-old kids are going to know how to manage that kind of money? And then, oh, you know what comes with $8 million? Representation. And it doesn't have to be the bad people. It's people, I mean, those big-time agents and stuff, and I know some, I mean, they don't get rich by out of the goodness of their heart. Everybody's digging into them. And if you keep that, if you keep that number smaller, you keep all the agents and everything else yeah. to where they're not digging into your pockets. Yeah. And for the most, I'm sure there's an exception somewhere, but I can't think of one. The people at these schools care about the kids. A hundred percent. And so there would be people who would put that money. Like you said, you could put it, listen, you could put it in a simple savings account. Yeah. Where it's guaranteed. It's going to get, a little money market account gets you like point zero 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 percent interest. Yeah, I mean, you could put it in a basic savings account and get what two percent or whatever. I mean, you, your money would actually grow a small amount, but which is better than better than it diminishing. That I love that idea. I mean, that's a great idea. Yeah, I, and I, I think that's something. That's the kind of legislation that you could put in. That I think I don't even know how who, who goes against to, that. Well, I'm, that's what I was literally just thinking of. Is I'm trying to come up with. Like, you know, sometimes when Chase and I do the Oxford Exxon podcast, it's my job to play devil's advocate. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what's my debate school argument here? Hey, you're, you're to argue against this. And I don't, the only thing I can come up with playing devil's advocate is it's my money. You don't get to manage it. That's it. That's as far. I mean, then that's a weak argument. Look, maybe we can get this thing started because I know the, what sucks, let me tell you what sucks, is the people who told me this have enough juice to get it to probably get some attention on it, but they can't talk to the media or whatever it is, right? Right. So maybe if we out here talk about it enough to bring some attention to it. It's not my idea. I'm just, I'm the, I'm the messenger. Um, I wish I could say it was my idea. That would be all, because I've thought about, I have thought about solutions to this Well, I have started. too, you know, because I cover a coach, Lane Kiffin, who has repeatedly said, and again, I'm giving Lane credit for being just transparent. Uh, he, he has said, He's, you know, is for a cap. And when people have said, well, how does that work? He's basically said, I don't know that I'm smart enough to yeah. figure that out. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't want to make that clear. No, I wasn't, I wasn't either. I, wasn't so, either. Well, what, I tried. What's happened is there have been several times when, because you know how press conferences are. It's, we'll go from talking about a, something important like this to, hey, what have you seen out of your linebackers this week? Hey, how, many, how many quarterback questions have, have been at the press conferences this week? Just constant. Now, in fairness, in fairness, the fans want to read about it. Look, there's nothing to read about. I know, but the fans want to read about it, and people ask. Anyway, I, my, I my mind, what Go ahead, I can't tell you how many times he said something about NIL, and I start thinking about, okay, well, I'm against a cap, but I know what you mean, and I'm trying to think, what what is a solution? And I, 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 I regret that I wasn't smart enough to think of something like that, because that, that, that sounds like a solution. You know, when it's so easy that I, I almost like kicked myself in the face because I was like, "How yeah. the, all the stuff I've thought about and that never crossed my mind." Yeah, because people, yeah, I, it's almost too simple. Well, it's because it's wrong. For example, to like say Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or uh, Will Levis or someone, hey, we we we're going to cap your earning potential because you're going to, and it won't matter to you, right, Bryce? Because you're going to go pro, and then he suffers a catastrophic knee injury or leg injury or. A, God forbid, a spinal injury. Yeah, and then they got something to go to. And look how close, you know, Tua came. I mean, had it not been for incredible doctors who did the right thing in a very short period of time, Tua would not have played in the NFL after that injury in Starkville. And so it can happen, is my point. And yeah, it's like, so I'm not forecapping Bryce Young's earning potential. If Bryce Young can make $20 million, 
being the quarterback at Alabama, then make it, dude. Go go for it. But I would I would suspect that Bryce Young's parents would be like, yeah, that'd be awesome to put that back. Oh, you! I don't see I don't see any parent that would put pushback on that. I mean, like, cause fifty two thousand dollars to buy a lot of ramen noodles. Well, yeah, and <laughs> and the you know. I don't know how they live and in college, again, but it'll, it'll be you'll be just fine. And again, this isn't stopping none, none, nothing has stopped the whole. Hey, it's Sunday morning, and how, how about that? My refrigerator got full. I mean, that's just stuff that happens, and that's cool. Did I, you ever hear a story about somebody's refrigerator going full or something? Well, I knew people who filled up refrigerators. Really? Yeah, I never heard of that. Really? I swear I didn't. You said it the other day, and I was like, I thought it was just like no, it's actually happened. Yeah. Okay. They would have practice on Sunday, and when they got back from practice, the fridge was full. I just brought them to my house and let them eat. Yeah. My point is, is they're not going to go hungry. There's no. too many people in these programs Look, that care about the kids. We had this whole occasion. I think they actually, by the way, you want to hear something dumb? You want to hear one of the top five dumbest things ever? Sure. I meant to bring this up the other day. Do you know there's still a rule about occasional meals? So we're, <laughs> we're paying the kids all this money, but like, you could technically you could, you could do this thing called an occasional meal where you could provide occasionally, you know, that's what is occasional. Exactly. That's why the NCAA is all jacked up is, I mean, define occasional. But anyway, you could only occasionally provide a meal for your players. And so where I always used to get ticked off about some of these rules is, look, I'm asking this kid to go out and literally sacrifice his body so I can feed my children. And you're going to tell me I can't bring him over to the house and him eat a hamburger? That's ridiculous. So I, I don't. I don't like, I'm not over here paying the kid $10,000 a week to come over and hang out with me. But if he's hungry, no kid. And I told him, I said, and I told my guys, and every time I recruited a kid and I sat in their, in their living room, I told their parents, I can promise you that their, their child will never go hungry ever. I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. I don't know why with college athletes and the demands on them. From a nutritional standpoint, I, I I don't know why that's not a simple fix, especially at programs that can afford it. To no, it is. I mean, it. And they do a good job. Don't get me wrong. They do a great job. But, and I'm not talking about necessarily, sometimes their scholarship rules are different. If I had a walk-on or whatever it was. Um, but I'm not going to let, and there's nights that the calf doesn't have good food. I mean, there, there there's things. Sure. We didn't have that problem here at Ole Miss, I can tell you that. The food was always great. They did a really good job with food here. They did a great job at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really the other other programs you you have I, I can't speak for the other power fives because i haven't been there but the power five programs usually got it got it lined up pretty good i was amazing the food just incredible. incredible just the way they take care of the kids man it's just <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable the hawkeyes man. oh hawkeye fever catch it um talk about some fall camp yeah let's talk about preseason camp um fall camp does it feel like fall to you right now tyler i do have an answer for you by that you were outside just a little while ago. Did it feel like fall? Yeah. When I go out. When footballs are flying, football stands for fall. Footballs are flying. We're football, fall. We're, footballs are flying. It's fall camp. So what do you call spring football? Spring. But footballs are flying. What do I call spring football? Oh. <laughs> what, what are we doing? Why are we, Why are we out here? <laughs> I can literally take the five guys that need it and go do some endo and let everybody else go home. It's, it's, yeah, we'll talk about that in spring, I guess. Yes. <laughs> We will make fun of spring football a lot. Yeah. All right. I asked Lane Kiffin the other day. The, the Ole Miss has a like I'm sure most most programs have scrimmages Saturday coming up. Yeah. I said, does the scrimmage have more weight? You damn right. And his answer was 
Oh, yeah. He, he said, in fact, I mean, I could tell he was kind of thinking about it as he was talking. He said, I don't know that I can remember two scrimmages more important than the two coming up. So you remember one he was involved in that was more important. At Alabama? Yeah. Well, I'm not talking about that, but in general, as a coach, when you're evaluating camp, how much additional weight do you put on showtime scrimmage oh. as opposed to Tuesday morning? Yeah, so I had, you know, because I knew you were going to talk about this, so I thought about it just for a minute. I kind of had stages of camp. All right, so when we start, you know, you report. Yeah. I want to see – I'm going to let everybody's going to get reps. I want to see how much they've improved over the summer, what kind of shape they're in and things like that. But you kind of know who your guys are. But I want to see if anybody else has stepped up. You know, that guy that was maybe ninth in the rotation last year, is he now fourth? You know, I want to see the improvement. Everybody's going to get reps, and we're going to do that. The closer you get, okay, now we're getting ready for scrimmage time. All right? So we're coming to the first scrimmage. How I always approach the first scrimmage is the guys that I know – like, I don't need to know if you can play or not. Like, uh, so I'm thinking about offensively at Ole Miss. Like a, and they're going to get some because of depth and things like that. But like a, somebody Eli- you can't Elijah lose. Moore. Okay, Elijah Moore, a DK back in the day, AJ yeah. Brown. Like, dude, you're going to play. You're going to get some, but you're not going to get many. Right. All right, don't need that. And I don't, you don't need to prove anything. But what I'm doing in that first one is I'm going to see the guys that are, if they can play, we're going to throw them in the fire and see if they can handle it. All right. But here's the most important thing. The difference between practice and a scrimmage is in a scrimmage, the coaches aren't on the field. You're not back there telling them, you know, they can't look back at you and say, what do I got? Oh, you got the curl right here. You know, you're, it's a game situation where you put coaches in the box. And it's good for coaches, too, because you can work your communication practice, especially if you got a new coach on staff. You can do that. Um, but you're in a true game situation. Also, it's the first time you've gone live. Now, let me let me refresh that. The good teams can basically play live every day because you have to learn how to tackle. But the difference between a, to a coach when you say going live, that's taking to the ground. That should be what they call live um, because everything else every other day, I mean, what's the difference now? Like, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's like knee pads. It's basically the only difference between full pads and not full pads. But are you taking to the ground? And uh, we didn't do it much at Alabama. I think we did it like three or four times a year, and we tackled just fine. Um, but Nick, and I didn't know this, Nick did a study, uh, Coach Saban did a study, I better say that for I piss off Dion. Um, but he did a study about, I think it was like something crazy, like 80% of all injuries occur when a player is being taken to the ground. There's not that many. It's not the contact part, it's the taking to the ground right. part. And so that's the whole point is you don't you got to do it, uh, but it's important. I can tell you a full, fun Ole Miss story about the first scrimmage. Okay. So first, uh, was our, I guess it was our last year here, um, Rich Rod wanted to make all the quarterbacks live but Matt Corral because we knew what we had. Okay, so Matt went and did his thing. And we didn't know anything about – I mean, we had all these three freshmen. We had Kincaid Dent, we had John Rice Plumley, and we had uh, – what's my man's name? Tisdale. And so didn't know anything about any, any of them, and we made them live. And then this guy named John Rice Plumley was out there. I don't know how much access you got to that, but he ran for about 140 yards against the starting defense. And so I was either like, we're really bad on defense, or <laughs> he's, really, he's a really good running quarterback. This was a McGriff defense? No, it was, this, was, uh, this was actually when we were good. Oh, okay. When this was before people's eyes were always in the wrong spot. Eye violations? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, this was after eye violations. This was uh, Mike McIntyre. Oh, okay. Which we had a good defense that year. Yeah. Um, it had to be like the most improved defense in the history of college football. Had to be. Um, but, man, he could run around and, and showed us what he could do. And then, uh, you know, the butterfly effect, I think it's hilarious. Is you know, Did I ever tell you why John Rice Plumley even got in the game the first time? Do you know that story? Uh, this was the Cal game, right? Yeah. This was when Matt got hurt. Yeah. Do you remember why he went in the game? I don't. I it was, was like third. It was like third and eight. Okay? Th- this was one of those deals where th- this was uh, my daughter. It was her first year in college. Are you were going? And this was uh, Dad's weekend, and I wasn't going to miss that. And so I'm, I went, and then I found a place to watch. Um, so I went to the Cayo house during the first half of the game. And I went to the little tailgate thing. Arkansas was playing. Maybe it was the day they lost to San Jose State. That sounds right. Um, Anyway, I went to that for a few minutes. And then we went someplace where I could watch the Ole Miss game. And there was no way to do post-game at that point. This was pre-Zoom. And so, no, I don't, I don't to this day know what exactly happened. Yeah, so like third. I think he got hurt like on second. It was like third and long, I think. But we were under the assumption that Matt was coming back. Like it was a quick deal, you know? And so it was third and eight, and Rich had already sent the play in. He was going to run a quarterback draw. He'd already sent the play in. And it was like, well, who can, who can run the ball the best? Oh, let's try Let's put Plumlee in there for one play. And then we were going to switch. I don't know if it was Ken Kellner or who was going in. We were going to switch after that. Well, here comes John Rice, like right down the road. And then – he was like, well, leave him in. Let's see if he can do this. And he starts throwing it like he's Brett Favre. Couldn't throw it dead in a Western on during practice, but in the game he actually – or was it vice versa? One of the, he, did, he, he was a terrible practice player, but a great gamer. And he just went down the field and, and there he became. And he was a really good fit for Rich Rod's offense. So when you're, when you're watching quarterback play in a scrimmage, what are you – because quarterbacks typically aren't live in scrimmages. Like Ole Miss, for example, they're not going to make – Dart or Altmaier live on, on yep. Saturday. What are you watching for? Pocket presence, um, leadership ability, um, and how they run the offense without somebody in their ear. Like, if you go to a practice, I'm sure, I mean, they do the same thing. You got all these coaches standing behind the huddle or behind the quarterback or whatever, and I would be doing this. I mean, I coach quarterbacks. Hey, you got too high over there and make sure you're, you know, you got your mouth covered, but you want your guy to perform well so it looks like you know what the hell you're doing, so you got to keep a job, right? Right. So you got a coach maybe telling, hey, it's too high, watch for the roll right here. Well, you're not on, it's a game situation. How are they going to respond to a game situation? Um, you know, how are they going to read? But it's really pocket presence and how they, you know, read the field and how they function in a game, in a game setting. And the cool thing, I think, obviously, y'all got a battle going on here in Oxford. Um, and I think there's a big one going on in Auburn right now. Yeah. All across the league, there's quarterback battles going on. LSU a little bit. Um, and was a part of a big one. At, yeah, there's a big one going on at LSU right now. It's three-headed. I think it's down to two in Auburn, though. Um, T.J. Finley, I don't know if Grind's in here. T.J. Finley will not be your quarterback, Grind. Um, breaking news? Is it is it out there yet? No. Is it is is it? Uh, Especially Ashford? Ashford and Calzada. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I've heard Calzada has not had a very good camp so far. I, I didn't hear that. Okay. Um, but uh, anyway, you want to see how they lead a team, and, and there's going to be some pressure and anxiety. You know, there's competition, and you're going to see who jumps up and responds to it. And that's what you're going to do. Somebody sent you an email? 
Yeah, just it's yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so Lane got asked a question, and this got ended up being a big story. He was asked a question. I'm curious to get your perspective on it because you yeah. left before the transfer portal kicked in. Thank goodness. He was asked a question by John Sokoloff, WCBI. It was actually a really good question and, it, and, and took some guts to ask it, frankly. The question was, hey, the quarterbacks look about the same. Looks like it's a tight race. If it stays that way, do you give the edge, I guess, to Jackson Dart because of the transfer portal and because if you want to land a high-profile quarterback out of the portal at another time, playing dart out of the portal would presumably add to your case there. And Lane said, that, hey, it's a fair question. Um, but no, we're going to play the best guy. How do you, how would you as a coach approach that? If, me me personally? If what, what do you I do? actually think this is one thing that Lane Kiffin and I have in common. Okay. Okay. Like I don't give a shit how much money we pay for the guy. All right? Your ass is getting hired and fired on if you win football games. Period. You're going to play the best guy. Now, the problem is not going to be, and that's why we were talking about, you know, a couple episodes ago, winning cures everything. Now, if you go and play, if you if you play a guy and he loses, you're going to get fired because you lose football games. All right? You yeah, sure. If you if you play the if you play the uh if you play a, the better player and you win games, you're going to have one pissed off person. And that's the guy who paid for him. So you can have one pissed off person and figure out how to deal with that, or you can have hundreds of thousands of pissed off people and figure out how to deal with that. I'm choosing the one. I know if it's like wide receiver, right, and you've got three wide receivers and they're all basically the same, Mm -hmm. you're just going to play them all. It's it's cool. Yeah. But quarterback's a different spot. What do you do if, and I don't know if you ever encounter this, what do you do if at the end of camp there's just no difference? But there is. I have never been – like, I'll give you a great example. All right, we're talking about the one that Lane uh, was a part of is Jake Coker and uh, Blake Sims at Alabama. Okay. And it was like one of those neck-and-neck neck deals and, and really going into the last scrimmage. And you were talking about how the scrimmages make a big difference. Like, this week, I think Saturday will kind of set – somebody's going to have an edge coming out Saturday. And if they don't, they'll take it into the next week. Whether he names one publicly or he doesn't, when they start game prep, usually about 10 days out, so whatever that is, it's usually when we started with about 10, that 10-day 10 period. Somebody's going to be running with the ones, and the guy that's running with the ones is going to be your starter. So it's not going to be – you're not going into game prep with a guy not knowing – the coach not knowing who he's rolling out there right. the first day. You don't go into Saturday going, I don't know who we're going to start today. Coach knows. The coordinator knows. The quarterback in the room knows. If you're if you're a – I don't know who Auburn opens the season with. I, I, I think uh, Somebody. It's a cupcake, right? Yes. If you're opening with the cupcake and you're not 100% positive, do you play both just to see? No, I think you start you start your guy. If you're playing a cupcake, you're going to start your guy and you're going to get the lead and then you'll play the other guy just like normal. But I'm not rotating them. Okay. I'm not. Okay. I think I think when I'm, I'm to the um, – you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. Because, again, we've talked about it before, quarterback's a funny position, right? Throwing, throwing the ball hard and accurate, that's that's one part of playing quarterback. Sure. Can you make the other ten dudes in the huddle or in the note, whatever you want to call it these days, can you make those guys better? And one of them usually does. And you need them to believe in that guy. Correct. Big and, time. Big time. And then they can elevate their play. Yeah. Right? So ten guys playing better is a hell of a lot better than one guy playing really good. 
Because as good as a quarterback is, I mean, we've said it all the time. If you have no receivers or no O line, I mean, you're going you're not going to do very well. You at all worried about our boy Joe Burrow in Cincinnati? <laughs> no. Why would anybody worry about him? He's still not kind of doing stuff. Dude, he had a freaking Ackman. Or got his appendix taken out. He'd be all right. Okay. I mean, the guy. I mean, just, different breeds, man. Just would like to see him start taking just a snap here and there. Yeah, be all right. Okay. I mean, look, there's some Johnny – like, he's not getting a Johnny feel good to go through practice. And I'll – you want to – me peel back the real curtain for the fans? Sure. <laughs> you give me a roll of tape and some Tordal, and I can cure AIDS. All right? <laughs> Tordal and tape will cure anything. I don't care – I don't care what <laughs> ailment you have. For the record, if anybody's listening at YouTube, we're not being serious. We're not saying that that would cure Oh, is that going to get me in trouble? You just never really know. Yeah. I should, like, go – I should, like, YouTube should – should just probably ban me for the whole whole thing, right? <laughs> Let's hope. Not. I'll just call it like it is. I mean, like, I mean, I've had players, I've had players, kid you not, go through the um, pregame walk. What do you call it? Walk of champions or whatever it is. I've had players at receiver. I've coached to go through the pregame walk with crutches and a cast. Give them a little tore all a little tape. They're out there running, <laughs> running curls and posts in about two hours. Now the Let's next day. Next day, but you don't want you're not gonna make it like, right, and I won't right. say this too. I ne- we never shot, nobody ever got shot up that it was like gonna hurt them more, right? You know, if it's just a pain tolerance deal, which is 97% of the injuries, uh, you'll roll. I mean, let's go. I mean, that's that's football, man. Yeah, the kids want to roll. Yeah, you I know. mean, you're a competitor, it's you're a different mind. Different that's where, breed. as you get into the season, it's about practice management. Yeah, you want to like for me, practice is all about execution, that's the only thing practice is for. You want to be sharp on your execution because you can drop all the plays in the world, but you've got to execute the play. And whoever executes the assignments the best is going to win because coaches are good, man. They're going to put you in the best best uh, place to succeed. All right, you want to talk Pac-12 while there's still 12? <laughs> Let's do it. It's, it's, it's not, it won't take long. I think I could have a longer – I'd rather have a longer conversation about the Sun Belt. Yeah, well, we're going to get to the Sun Belt. I better not say that I got a, I got a Pac-12 meeting on Monday. Um. In the Pac-12, the only teams that even interest me, I'm interested in Utah. We talked about that a little bit. Um, right, let's talk about Utah while we're okay. You brought them up. All right. All right. So for me, I get so our buddy Jake Crane. You know, we we did. Mm-hmm. I think you've done a show. I've done yeah, a show. I know, I know Jake. Mm-hmm. He throws out this thing about Utah, and I said, "Look, Utah's just going to show me. I get it. All the hype. I understand it. But they got to well, show w- me." Willingham's done a really good job there of of turning that into. In fairness, Urban Meyer did a really good job there, but he's done a really good job of making that a very steady program. Yes, it's a miserable team to bet on. It's miserable to bet on them. Because they don't cover? Well, if you bet on them to cover, they don't cover. If you bet on them to not cover, they cover. You like you can't win. Like I think this year I'm just going to take Utah, whatever I think, I'm just going to automatically go the opposite. I bet I'm like 0 for 47 on Utah. They kill me every time. It's just like they're so they, – they they either play way above what they're supposed to right. or they don't play – I mean, it's just the – But as a rule, they're winning a lot of games there. They do, They and they beat teams they're not supposed to. Right. But then they'll lose to somebody they're not supposed to either. Well, that's because they're not elite. Right. And that's what – but that's what we're having – all the experts are having this conversation about. Yeah, it's If why we're talking I, about going undefeated in the Pac-12, now we're talking about you've been an elite program. It's time to go. Sure. So you just got to show me. So it's them I'm, – I'm interested in Oregon – um, not because I think they're going to be particularly good. I'm just interested in Oregon. I think they're going to be really good. Do you? Okay. Do. All right. 
I'm obviously interested in USC with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, all of that stuff. Uh, it, that, Fascinating. In terms of, yes, in terms of if, if I'm flipping channels, right, and there's, there's USC, it's like, I'm going to watch this for a few minutes because I'd like to look at this. I am a little interested in Washington, and I'm, I'm intrigued by UCLA because it feels like this is a really big season for them. Um, really big. But they, know, not that they're going to fire Chip Kelly or whatnot, but they're getting ready to make a jump to the Big Ten, and I do wonder if UCLA really wants to make that move with Chip Kelly as the head coach. Or did you did you cover this whole saga with him in the spring when they were getting ready to? I, I didn't, well, they didn't have they hadn't rolled over his contract and all that stuff. Yes, like, like we, after signing, we, we talked about it. Okay. Some, because you had to because anytime you're covering Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin's name pops up on anything. Any and every job, and so you, it, it always does, will in California. It, it forces you to keep up with what's kind of going on. So, first of all, I think Chip Kelly is a really good football coach, and I think he has a good staff. But UCLA, as as the program, as the administration boosters or whatever, they have way too many resources to not be supporting that program in the way it should be supported. And if Chip Kelly gets those resources, access to those resources, and they get behind him, but I don't even know why you would even like. Who are you going to hire in that job better than Chip Kelly? You know what I mean? Like, like why wouldn't you support him? I mean, the, you know the name that's going to come up. Yeah, I mean, you both do. Um, I, it's honestly not a job that I. I, I was just saying, I don't know if I would take it. You know, if I was that coach that we're talking about, if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't take that job. I mean, it's different, but. Um. Yeah, but US, I'm with you. USC, I'm going to be fascinated to see because you got you you got USC, Utah, and UCLA in the same division, right? So some one of those three teams has got to come out on top. And I'm going to say, if you had to make me guess today, I'm going to say it's USC. Um, I, I like I think they got the best quarterback. Um, so I, that's where I'm going with that. I think they come out of the. Uh, I guess that would be the South Pac-12 South. I think that's who comes out of the Pac-12 South. Now the interesting thing for me is Arizona State. How big of a step do they take back with all these investigations and everything that's going on with them? I'm not ignoring you. I'm searching for this kid on Instagram so I can see. If oh, he's are we announced. posting? Are we posting uh, commitments? Yeah, okay, he is announced. So I can go in and post. What's the kid's name? Uh, Jordan Burks. Where's he from? Uh, he is from one of those academies in Florida. He's originally from uh, your home state, Decatur, Decatur, Alabama. Oh, yeah, we don't have great high school basketball in Alabama. You actually do have some fairly good basketball. Who? Charles Barkley? Okay, I'm just saying, like, what was that, like? Robert Ory? I was four years old when Charles Barkley was playing basketball at Leeds. Um, I covered covered. A, you, t- you covered LaFleur High School. All right, let's take LaFleur High School out of it. Name, all right, <laughs> who else? Because LaFleur had everybody. Had DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, I was going to say DeMarcus Cousins. Um, 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 um. Let me tell you how bad the high school basketball is in Alabama. It, and you probably remember this. True facts. LaFleur was so good with DeMarcus Cousins that they didn't even dress their top six players half the time. And they just let the backups play and they'd be there by about 40. The, I was uh, all excited about DeMarcus. I was at St. Paul's about watching DeMarcus Cousins play basketball. He was over there in his clothes every game. He was a great player. <laughs> yeah. People forget how good he was with like the Sacramento Kings even when oh yeah, even when he didn't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm publishing this kid, this story. All right. I'll cover the bottom half of the Pac-12 South. What North, why yeah, you're doing please. Um, 
No, Arizona State's got all the investigations and everything going on there with all the litany of stuff they got going on. I think they take a drop. Arizona, Colorado, terrible. Um, but I think it's going to be USC and Utah, and I think USC comes out on top in the south. Um, in the north, I'm really big on Oregon. And people forget that this guy named Bo Nix left and went to Oregon. My man Grind doesn't forget. All right, so he's – and Mario left that cupboard full, man. They got dudes. And Dan Lanning can coach and he can recruit. Probably one of the scariest programs on the West Coast that everybody's talking about USC and UCLA because of the move and the money and all that stuff. Uh, Oregon is a Yankee, just so everybody knows. They're part of the Yankees organization. They, uh, they got money to spend. Can, can they challenge Georgia in week one? I am very – do we have a line out on that game yet? I'll look in a second. I'm extremely interested, and I got a pull for uh, – I may or may not have a meeting with the Oregon staff on Monday morning. Um, but uh, Oregon-Georgia game, man, I, that's going to be – people are, people are um, sleeping on that. I would probably definitely if – it's, if it's more than three, I'm probably going to take Oregon in the points. I don't know if I go money line, but, I mean, you got Dan Lanning playing against Georgia. He knows the offense, what they're going to do. He knows the defensive scheme. He's got Bo Nix that's played against it, and they got good players. They're going to find a way to score points and make that game interesting. All right, I'm looking for some uh, week one spreads. Let's see. Did Grind just say minus 14 and a half? Oh, if it's minus 14 and a half, I'm going to go ahead and I'm placing my first week one bet, Oregon plus 14 and a half, if that's what it is. I'm looking. I mean, I don't, I'm not even thinking about it. Because that line's going to move. And 14 and a half, that's, that's stealing. So we've got uh, Ohio State minus 14 and a half um, against Notre Dame. Holy. I've got LSU minus two and a half against Florida State. That game's in New Orleans. LSU. Um, I've got Georgia minus 17 and a half. I'm going home today. Against Oregon. My wife's going to divorce me when she sees our bank account. Got Utah minus two and a half at Florida. Nebraska minus 12, which is a big number against Northwestern. That game's in Dublin, Ireland, August the 27th, two weeks from Saturday. Week zero. Uh, I've got uh, Pittsburgh minus seven against West Virginia in the backyard brawl. West Virginia plus seven. Thursday, September the 1st. We've got Cincinnati plus seven at Arkansas, September 3rd. I may buy a half point. I love Arkansas laying seven there. I I, I just think Cincinnati has like so much seven. to replace. I hate seven. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be more comfortable at six and a half. Penn State minus three and a half at Purdue. Kind of like Purdue there. I'm all I, uh, yeah. I'm all over Purdue on that one. We'll we'll talk later. Oh yeah, we're gonna well we're, yeah we're gonna we're gonna do some betting. We've got 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 games coming up. Uh, used to like pro wrestling gig. I I, I lost it when when my man. Um, Sting shut it down. I was a big WCW fan. He asked me if I liked pro wrestling. As a kid, I liked pro wrestling. I liked wrestling. Yeah, I liked I liked Junkyard Dog and Har- NWA Harley Race, NWA Dusty on, Rhodes on TBS on Saturday oh, by Saturday Fire. night. Ric Flair. Woo! Yeah, so we'd go to my grandparents on in Monroe on Saturday nights, <laughs> and um, I like where this one's starting. And <laughs> <laughs> the one I love. Is it was, it was uh, uh, Teddy Atlas, I think was his name, yeah, and and Kevin Sullivan, and they wrestled the Russians who probably were from Iowa, 
Uh, Nikolai Volkovich. Nikolai Volkov. Volkov. And, and uh, Nikita Khrushchev. Nikita Khrushchev. Remember the him? Russian sickle. The Russian sickle. And they had that move where they'd put your arm behind and they'd just bang on it and bang on it and bang on it. And they, quote, broke uh, Teddy Atlas's arm. Oh, boy. And my little brother, Timothy, started crying. <laughs> Because we were all in, we thought we thought this was the night that the Americans were going to win the world tag team championship, and we were so excited. And but when wrestling ended, I can't remember if we got to watch the wrestling before or after the Lawrence Welk show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I'm going. Uh, yours started off with went to my grandmother's in Monroe. Um, yeah, my grandmother was also watching. And we didn't call it, we called it wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah, so I'm from Alabama. So we would watch Saturday morning wrestling, the Shreveport wrestling. The local. Yeah, which was like Bill. On uh, PBS? Yeah, what was his name? Uh, Cowboy Bill Watts or something. Uh, you got me on that one because. He used to, supposedly used to play at Oklahoma. And he had the Junkyard Dog. Okay, I'm with him. the Big Cat, Ernie Ladd. I don't remember him. And then what you always liked in the Shreveport wrestling, wrestling, <laughs> Was the they had the assassin number one and the assassin number two and they wore masks, and who would have known I was I was obsessed with masks at a really early age. One of the big things was the unmasking match. If if the masked guy won lost, he had to be unmasked. Okay, to find out who he was, and those damn mask things every time it was just infuriating. Right as it was time for the mask to come off, or right as the the guy was pulling the mask off, they ran out of time, and that was the end of the show. Hey, when and you you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. when you woke up this morning, did you think you were going to be talking about wrestling for Monroe? You know, the one thing I know every morning when I wake up, if I know I'm doing a show with you, is I don't know where this show's going. <laughs> Off the rails, perhaps, but every time I never know where it's going, and uh, I just I kind of mentally just prepare for anything and tell myself that we'll get through it one way or the other. Tell your kids not to listen because I'm gonna get banned from YouTube. (laughs) Bill Watts, Big Cat Ernie Ladd, yeah, see, I'm not alone. Big Cat Ernie Ladd was a big. I think he had played at Grambling, and then he played in the NFL. Yeah, dude, you got me on that one. Because I grew up like five minutes from Grambling. Eddie Robinson, Eddie Robinson. I saw him in Ruston all the time. He was a legend. Uh, has nothing to do with Grambling, but you just reminded me. So, have I ever told you the story when I was we were coaching at Northwestern? My first game was a position coach in college. I'm coaching tight ends at Northwestern State. In Natchitoches. In Natchitoches, Louisiana. Yep. So, our first game of the season is at Southern in Baton Rouge. Uh-huh. And it's on Fox Sports South. Okay. Okay. Six, six o'clock, you know, TV, 606 kick, right? Mm-hmm. And so Pete Richardson was the head coach. And so we show up, and, I mean, there's, like, metal spikes in the grass and all stuff, and, oh, my gosh, can't make this up. I'm talking to the head coach. My, I'm nervous. Dude, first game ever as a position coach. I mean, my asshole was – I mean, I could have <laughs> cra- cracked diamonds, right? right? All right. And I'm talking to the head coach. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Pete Richardson walks up, introduces himself. He's the head football coach. He goes, hey uh, – at, at Southern? At or? Southern. Okay. Hey, uh, what time y'all want to kick this thing off? And the and head coach kind of looks at him. Steve Roberts kind of looks at him. and Goes, well, it is a TV game, and um, it's a six oh six kick, I believe. Yeah. He goes, y'all move it up, or he goes, well, it's a TV game, and yeah. I don't think they do that as serious as you could. I mean, think about that. Uh-huh. Serious as can be. What time y'all kick this thing <laughs> off? Well, the TV says we're going to kick it off at six oh six. Had no idea what time the game started. That is great. No idea. First game of the season. Head football coach. 
Awesome. That's great. You going to buzz the uh, Sun Belt before we get out of here? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's right. Sun Belt. All right. I'm a Sun Belt, Fun Belt guy. Actually, there are some pretty good teams in the Sun Belt this year. All right. You got App State's good. You got App Coastal State. Carolina's Coastal Carolina's good. Louisiana's Lafayette's going to be good. I'm interested. Well, with Billy being gone. Yeah, boy, be tough. Because they took some players. Be tough to replace. And they took some guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll give you a sneaky pick. South Alabama. Oh, so you're trying to see my man Kane. All right, so this is a very hard conference for me to cover. I got to be. I think Kane's going to be a Power 5 head coach sooner rather than later. I have a lot of clients in this conference. Probably the most, most clients I've had in one conference. Um, I will say this. South Alabama, Kane, um, I love him to death. He's probably practicing, so he's not listening. He does listen from time to time. Kane is um, going to be a big-time head coach sooner rather than later. I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, he's got it, whatever it is. Agreed. He's got it. Yep. Uh, can communicate is really good. You talk about somebody that can control the and control and get his message out there with the media and things like that. I think he's really good at that. Has his own stuff in order. Correct. Yeah. Probably one. And he grew up around it. His dad is as his dad Dave is as good of a man. He's stud. He still lives here, by the way. Yeah, as I've ever met. Stud in that in that field. Hey, um, you want me to give you a little known fact about my man Dave Womack? Sure. When he was in college, or when he was a GA at, he was he's gonna shoot me. I want to say at Semo, maybe I'll find out. It's one of the Missouri schools. When he was first coaching in a GA, um, he lived. They shared it was like a du- not a duplex, but a house. Like he was on the second floor, first floor, Cheryl Crow. Really? Yeah, he like lived in the same house as Cheryl Crow. How about that? Yeah. There you go. Fun facts. We got Brendan's girlfriend showed up again. <laughs> the, yeah. the chat girl showed yeah. up for Brendan again. He's not here. I don't think. Um. No, but uh, Kane's going to be a really good coach. The thing that's that's cool, so I go and visit Kane. Kane and I are friends, obviously. I go and visit him a couple times a year. I've watched him practice in spring. Quarterback, they got the Bradley kid transferred. He's a stud. Yeah. I mean, I was like, when you see a quarterback that's that talented, they, it's like a, it's kind of like when you hear a guy throw it to the mitt kind of deal, you know, you're like, it sounds different. Yeah. It looks different. Mm-hmm. He's one of those dudes. He's probably, I mean, he's top 15, probably arm talent I've ever seen in my life. Um, just overly talented kid. Major Applewhite's the coordinator. Uh, our boy, Corey Batoon, that was here uh, with us, he's the D coordinator. Yeah. They got good coaches. got good players, good scheme. They're recruiting at an unbelievable level. Um, mm-hmm. Very happy about that, obviously. Helps my job out. Um, but I think they're going to be good. I think Kane's going to do a good job. And I'm, going, I'm not leaving this podcast without talking about my boys at Georgia State. Yeah. Nobody talks about my guys at Georgia State. And Sean Elliott's the head coach. Stud. We had him on a podcast. He's great. We'll get him on one time. He's he's awesome. Um, and then uh, Brian Landis is a good friend of mine that coaches backers there. But, I mean, they won nine games last year. Yeah. And they have to go. Was it season. Georgia State that scared the hell out of Auburn last year? Yes. Okay. They had them beat, really. Yeah. Okay. They got to go to South Carolina. And they play, I think they play South Carolina and North Carolina both this year. Okay. So – you know, check the points out on that one because they're, they're a good team and they got a lot of guys coming back. They had to replace some guys, but they do a really good job with the the mentality part of the game as far as being tough and stuff like that. And Coach Elliott, uh, he's a stud. Um, and then uh, our boy John Summerall's at Troy. He's coming in town. I guess we got to talk about them, right? Yeah. I, I, I will not judge 
John's going to have to come in and he's, he's going to have to have a little more time to get his team going at Troy. Now, I think John's going to be successful there. I think John's got a real shot to be a Power 5 head coach five years from now. When Stoops leaves, he'll probably be the next head coach at Kentucky. That might be about five years. Yeah. About right. That's my prediction. Yeah, they love him there. Um, I mean, of all the assistants I've ever worked with, freaking love me some John Summer. You can't sure. find anybody that don't that doesn't like John. Yeah. Stud. Um, Texas State is interesting a little bit. They they are competitive at times. And then, of course, I mean, we're saving the best for last. Are you going to talk about your Warhawks? I mean. Hey, you want to get, we need to get Terry Bowden on here. You want to get Terry Bowden on here? I'd, that'd be fun. Does, did, you, did you do him when you were there? I covered Terry Bowden for uh, half a season. And um, my very first interaction with Terry Bowden, first day on the beat. Uh, we're in the, you know, Auburn had the, they practice on those fields and you, you go, yeah. yeah, I know. And you go up the stairs to get yeah. to, so we're going up those stairs after a practice and the sports information director is introducing me to, it was, Kurt, it was Kent Patrick at the time. Mm-hmm. And Kent is introducing me to Terry. And he says, uh, this new guy with the Birmingham Post-Herald. Yeah. I know nothing at this point, right? I'm just, just, I'm just drowning right now. You know, you know, Feinbaum? Um, at that point, I'd never met Paul. Right. Not really. See ya. He, he goes, he goes, yeah, well, you know, something about Paul and the Post-Herald and, and I'm thinking, I, whatever y'all have got, I, I'm not part of it. I, I didn't do it, you know. And just ask that you be fair. Just maybe somebody there can be fair. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, I, there's no agenda here. I'm, I'm literally just trying to hang in, you know. But he just never really, he was fine with me. But then by the time I think he realized that I was okay, his his deal was utter chaos. Because you remember that season got off to a bad start. It did. Worst football season in Auburn history, I think. You know, they lost that game at, at uh, Mississippi State. Kind of bad, if I recall. 98? Yeah. Well, we lost to we lost Virginia to open the season. And we beat Ole Miss. Lost to LSU in the uh, the burn game. The, the gym came on fire. No, that wasn't that game. That was another year. That was the year before I got there. Oh, it was 96. Never mind. Yeah. Or 97. Because 98, I think, Auburn played at 98, LSU. I know we lost to Tennessee. And they won the national championship. And we had the ball first and goal, like the eight. Down by eight. And we didn't score. And we didn't know who we wanted to play quarterback. It was going to be Gabe Gross or Ben Lear. We couldn't yeah. make our mind up. Um, and everybody gave Gabe shit for wearing number 22, playing quarterback. Like, you're such a goob. Just wear a normal quarterback number. Player, yeah. Players did. I remember that. Okay. Um, grind, stuff you didn't know. Um, and then we – who did we lose to? I mean, it was early in the season. Then we lose to uh, – or we you barely beat La Tech. And then La Tech was he got the, fired the week day before. Yeah. yeah. But we lost to somebody the week before. Was that Mississippi State? I, I want to say it was Mississippi State was the bad loss. I don't. Know. I know we were like three and eight. I think was our record that year. We beat like La Tech, Ole Miss, and I've told you, Florida. I think I've told you the story. Yeah, it was a bad year. I, I, I've told you the story. That was one of the people will ask, "Why do you chase every rumor? Just chase it down, even when you know they're crap." It's because I got a rumor that week that Terry was resigning, and I thought that's insane. 
and then that Friday afternoon. Yeah, I found out at launch. Yeah, that's about that about that time. I'm humping it to Auburn and chasing people down, and it was. Ever since then, it's no. You just if you hear something insane, you chase it. Make sure it's make sure it's insane, and ninety nine percent of the time it's insane and it's made up. But you chase it just in case. Ask it just a little bit. But um, yeah, that was that was one that was one wild week, man. That happened, and then I'm covering the Auburn Louisiana Tech game the next day at Jordan Hare. Yep, and um, find out that. Philip Marshall and Charles Goldberg, who had been on the Auburn beat for a long time, had gotten an exclusive that day because they weren't in the press box. I'm like, where are they? Where the hell are they? They had gotten an exclusive with Terry out at his farm. And so you can imagine the reaction of my bosses. Do y'all get like, is there like this uh, jealousy, like mean girls things that goes on with stuff like that happens? Uh, no. In that situation, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get reamed, and I, I was. My God, it was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible day. A horrible day. A horrible day. And I mean, I still remember it. I mean, I have flashbacks to it sometimes. I mean, it was. Well, do you have anything from Terry? No. What do you have? Not much. Ah, yes. And it was that was the day that was. All right, well, I'm in, Can I ask you a question? That was. Uh, What's your boss doing right now? I don't know what he's doing. All right, what are you doing? Uh, better than that. Tell him to kiss your ass. That was the day that he told me, he goes, you really need to break the story on who gets this job. Because he didn't want to hire me. And it was, that was the day. And I remember thinking, I I went, I went home that next, I guess I went home that day and turned around and came back the next day. And I I told my wife, we had only been married a year. I said, yeah, I'm probably going to get fired here in the next couple of weeks. So brace yourself. Um, and I just didn't sleep. I've had those conversations before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't sleep, man. I mean, all I did was, all I did, I was so scared about getting fired that, I'll tell this story now, I got it's been 20-something years. That Monday night, I'm at some hotel in Auburn, and I had Bobby Louder's number, and I called it. No, you did. Yes, I did. That, hey, let me tell you something. That's ballsy. I'll give you that. It was. And for those that don't know, Bobby Louder probably still to this day runs Auburn. And then he ran it. He really ran it. And like really ran it. He knew who I was and I guess he had read some of my work. And so he didn't dismiss me out of hand. And he let me ask him some names because I'd heard some names. And one of the names I asked him about was Tuberville. And he goes, you've got some connections to Ole Miss, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, what do you think's a better job, Ole Miss or Auburn? And I said, Auburn. Because it certainly was then. You don't have to justify. Go you, ahead. Can, you can debate it today. Just, just but, say it. but in 1998, there was no question what was the better job. And I said, Auburn. And he goes, yeah. And for some reason, something in that clicked. Like, you know, there might be something there. And I started just carefully navigating around in Tuberville circles. And somewhere like around November the 2nd, I got something, kind of a hit. I can't remember in my old age now exactly what it was, but I got a hit on Tuberville had emerged as the leading candidate at Auburn. And I wrote that story. You were one of the few ones then. because Yeah, oh. we, we, 
as players, we always assumed it was going to be uh, Bill Oliver. And I think, can I ask you a question? Because I don't know this, and you may, because, you know, as yeah. a player, you're not connected and all yeah. that stuff. Curious, because I don't ever ask you yeah. this question. If we win the Iron Bowl that year, instead, no, does he get the, it was no, over anyway? It was over, yeah. Okay. So that week, um, I think I've told, I've, I've never told you this story. I, I don't know. I just I just know that Tuberville showed up on on the next day and like, I mean, we started running the shit out of us for no reason. So it was that week of the Iron Bowl. Um, and I, by this point, I'm really centered on Tuberville to the point where I, I remember telling my wife, if Tuberville gets the Auburn job, I'm in really good shape from a career standpoint. And if Tuberville doesn't get the Auburn job, I'm fired. I mean, there's no, there's no other way around it. I, I just focused in on Tuberville because every source I had told me it was Tuberville. And yet, that week of that game, nobody cares anymore. If you're still here an hour and 28 yeah, minutes you, in, you love God, us. God bless you. The week of that game, um, Auburn had a basketball game against, I want to say BYU at home. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, Central Florida or BYU was an initials acronym game. Yeah. I, I didn't see a second of it. I was upstairs in Beard Eaves on a phone. Did, whole, you, did you have a cell phone back then or were you pay phone it? Had a cell phone, but it was one of those big, goofy phones. Did you have to buy it or did the company buy it? Um, oh, I had to buy it, and they would reimburse me for calls, but you had to itemize the calls. It was yeah. a pain in the ass. And at that point, I didn't care. I didn't care if I lost money on this because ultimately I had to get. I had to be it's right. It's almost like your, your, your story and your job was more important than your paycheck. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I – I knew that the Huntsville Times and the Birmingham News were writing about George O'Leary the next morning. Now, I had heard about his name. Yeah. I, I never heard Tuberville ever until he showed up. Well, I, I, they they were writing about George O'Leary, and who at the time was the Georgia Tech head coach. Mm-hmm. And I just kept hitting walls on that. And so my boss is like, why are we not writing about O'Leary? And I said, because I don't have that. What do you have? I said, I have that it's Tuberville. And by now, I'm talking to Tuberville a lot. Who's denying it? But you can trust him by as far as you can throw him. Imagine he ran for Senate and is in Senate. <laughs> Shocker. It, but anyway. I got um, some good Tuberville stories we'll tell him here after I drink some cathead. It was just it was just a um, Bill Oliver. Oh, yeah. So that week, Bill Oliver and I happened to be in the restroom at the same time in the football building. <laughs> athletic building. <laughs> Where are you going, Neil? <laughs> and he's literally standing at the urinal next to mine. And he goes, I like you, Neil. And I said, well, thanks, coach. I, I didn't know what to say to that. And he goes, hey, uh, if I tell you something, can you keep this between us? At this point, sure. Where are you going, Neil? <laughs> and he goes, no, he goes, he goes, I'm, uh, I'm going to announce my retirement. I'm not, I'm not getting the job. And I said, I said, okay. And he goes, he goes, if you come talk to me on Friday at Legion Field, I'll, 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 I'll give it to you. And I said, okay. And he goes, you know who's getting it, don't you? And I said, well, I think it's Tuberville. And he goes, it is. It's done. Wow. Yeah, I didn't. We had no idea as players. We had heard George O'Leary. I think that was the only name I ever heard. Um, I remember being in Chattanooga that week because we we didn't win. Um, the week of the, I remember watching the, for yeah, Thanksgiving, the, the I remember egg bowl, watching the Egg Bowl was on Thursday. The Iron Bowl was, was the Saturday. Saturday before the Egg Bowl. I was eating, I was eating Thanksgiving with my parents and my aunt and my uncle, um, who now live in Memphis. 
Um, and remember that watching that game with them that night, late that night on Thanksgiving night before I went to Birmingham and, and um, for the game and um, the whole, uh, they asked him the whole pine box thing or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, they asked him I can't remember the exact wording. But. Well, he had said on the, on the because I had to, the paper sent me to Oxford for the Egg Bowl. And so okay. I walked into the press box and, you know, I knew a lot of the Ole Miss writers and stuff, obviously. And they're like, why are you here? I'm like, are you kidding? Like, am, 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 am I, it was this weird week where I felt like I knew something that everybody else should know. Yeah. And they kind of did. Like, you the, almost felt like you were missing it because you were the only one that well, did well on that. But pattern. I did look, uh, that day I did look, look down and like most of the Auburn beat was there. And I was like, oh, thank God. You know, at least if we're all wrong together, maybe that's going to mitigate just how bad I'm going to get fired. And, um, but I knew it. And then on Friday morning, I got up and we drove back to Birmingham because I needed to get back on the phone. And like I remember, I talked to, I want to say it was Joe Panunzio. It might have been, might have been Eddie Grand. I mean, that, dude, that's freaking. It, it doesn't. But but those guys were asking guys, man. Those guys were asking me, and I said, it's, "Where's Tuberville?" And they said, "Oh, he's at Auburn." And I'm like, "Okay, well, it's it, he's not going." You know. Anyway, I remember that. It, what was weird about that night? That night, I stumbled into as I was writing Tuberville stuff because I'm writing and writing and writing because Auburn's going to introduce him the next day, and I'm writing and writing and writing Tuberville stuff, and I stumbled into Ole Miss was going to hire Mike Cavan from SMU. I don't know who that is. He ended up not getting it. There was like a fan revolt, <laughs> and they ended Preach up Twitter. and they ended up hiring uh, you know David Cutcliffe. But it, it was cra- it was a crazy. Crazy day. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's funny that, yeah, as you're, you're so, and that's pre-Twitter, all that stuff, internet. I mean, it's really pre-internet message boards and all that stuff. There's so many ways to get, you know, there's so much shit thrown on the board right now. And so, usually somebody's right in today's world, but back then you had no idea. It's nuts. So. Yeah. Um, those are different days. That different was, freaking days. Man. Yeah, that was, it was, um. But man, I always had so much respect for Bill Oliver. I've told you that before. I always so much liked him. And that year when he didn't have to be, because I was just a kid, man. I was a cub. How old were you? So what are you right now? 50 what? I was 28. So you're what? You're five years older than me, six years older than me? Yeah. It it was my first, but that was my first big job where I felt like this is an opportunity for me. This is... This is, you know, because the Birmingham Post-Herald was the afternoon paper, but we had the Saturday morning paper. And well, that so, was like papers were the deal. Yeah, and, and it was a big opportunity. It was the first time that I felt like I was red. You know what I mean? And I was working for the same paper where Feinbaum was. So, you know, I, and, and Paul was big. People can say what they want about Paul, but people read Paul's column. And I knew that on those days, you know, my, my content was right there next to Paul. People are going to read it. And and I knew it was I knew it was a big opportunity. And I, I knew that was, I knew that month, was a really big month, and and it was it was a challenge, you know. But I was following all the coaching stuff and still yet covering a, a, a team, and 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 Oliver, Oliver was really good to me. Um, for whatever reason, he he liked me. I, I think it's where I have a soft spot for Jimbo to this day. Is that Jimbo Fisher was the basically the offensive coordinator for the last half of that season, and well, he was the whole time. He just didn't call it on Saturdays. Yeah, and but Jimbo, my point was is Jimbo was good to me. Some of those guys were good to me in those six or like seven Rodney weeks. Allison? Yeah, he yeah. was there. Now Pete he, Jenkins? Pete, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, stud. Pete was so good to me. I can't say the same for everybody on that staff. Um, but, but Pete, I think who was a 
Pete was really good to me, and uh, Jimbo was. And Rick Trickett? You know what? Rick Trickett was okay to Dude, deal with. Trickett is like, he's at Jacksonville State now with Rich Rock. Yeah. Trickett, as a, as a player, you like were scared to death of him. I mean, I'm talking about just scared to death. Well, as a beat writer, you were kind of scared of him because if you asked him, if he, he would just be in a in a rough mood. When I so I became a high school coach, and obviously we had those guys. And he shows up. He's at Florida State at the time, and so he's recruiting our school. And he showed up, and it was like he had a personality change. He was like a different person. And I was like, man, I wish you were this nice to me when I was, yeah. <laughs> I was a player. But yeah, but those guys, that was a that was a fascinating time to cover cover that. It was it was probably not the way you would draw up starting your career as a, as a sports writer, if you will. But I learned more in that season and remember more from that season maybe than I do any other season I've ever covered. Yep. Hey, before we get out of here, I know we were jumping all over the place today because of rain and um, ten podcast and zooms. I know we got some people on here that are big fans joining the Sun Belt this year, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Oh, that's are they in this year? This year, that's right. They are. I saw that the other day, and I'm just telling because I I see it on my what I do for a living. Will's added a lot of talent to that roster. It's just a matter of time. He is evaluating his ass off, and here's the difference. Here's where if you want to talk about a program make taking advantage, are you cover Ole Miss recruiting? Do you cover anything with Mississippi State? Um, I mean, are in state recruits y'all do? Not necessarily. No, I mean, if Ole Miss is recruiting them, I'm I'm quasi-familiar you've probably noticed that both schools have gone a little bit out, out of the state a little bit yeah and they're not because of the portal they're not stretching as much so you're not taking the developmental guys yeah all right will hall is he's taking all these dudes that normally we would have taken here mm-hmm. a snoop connor does not come to ole miss he doesn't he goes to southern miss a hundred out of a hundred times now yeah now, sure mm-hmm. right you're, you know, of course, your Ely's, you know, the high-profile guys, your Ely's. Uh, oh, it's one of the fascinating things that, to talk about is, like, the Cedric Johnsons. Oh, no. Cedric Johnson probably at South Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it's not even up for discussion um, because you don't have to take that number anymore and you don't have to stretch. And Will's taking all these guys. And right, wrong, or indifferent, of any state in the union, the state of Mississippi is what I call devel- – is the most development state there is. The kids – have I don't know what it is, but they don't really mature until they get to college for whatever reason, and they turn into be great players. And some of them do, and some of them don't. But there's such a guessing game at that, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and then they end up. It's a development state. You get these guys. You're like, oh, there's no way this guy's gonna be a good player, and he'll go somewhere and be a great player. But Will's taking all those guys, and he is a phenomenal ball coach. Um, just watch out, Southern Miss is gonna make some noise. Heard it there. Um, all right, so you've got Southern Miss. I'm talking talk, talking to South Alabama teams to watch. We uh, so we'll get in the next week. What's our schedule next week? Uh, Monday, Thursday, right? We're back Thursday. on regular That's schedule. Right. Back on regular regular schedule. So we'll see you guys on uh, Monday. If you're in the live stream, we'll be back tonight for hand raise guys at seven. You think I kept it under thirty five? Mm, it's, it's close. Close. It's gonna be a judgment call. So you got another one tonight? Got another show. Tonight. Are you gonna be drinking? Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, just do it. Get you some. Get you some cat head and some straight. Do shots. <laughs> no, huh? No, I'm not doing that. That'd be a good show. It'd be interesting. 
All right, that does it for us. Again, thanks to our friends at Rain. I didn't do this but one time today, so I hope everybody at Rain's not mad at me. Uh, this podcast brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits, achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. We'll be back uh, Monday with another edition of McCready and Siski. Until then, have a great weekend. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. Do us a favor. Hit the like button. And subscribe. Uh, subscribe. Tell a friend. Uh, yeah, tell your friends. We're, we have a good time. Stuff like that. And uh, talk to you on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.